Borak Thong Earthwoods. My name is Connor, alongside my friend Fox, and this will be 138 episode of Space Fitter 2000. The podcast where two Americans try to make sense of the UK's own galaxy's greatest comic, 2000 AD, one month of progs at a time. This episode we're covering 2000 AD for October and November 1985, progs 439 to 442. This time, Dread deals with fatties, Nemesis and Torquemada team up, Mean Team hits 5,000, and Sam Slade goes crazy. Oh, God. <laughs> it's easily, like, one of the best, uh, one of the more interesting, like, sets we've read, man. I it's, liked a lot of that. There's a lot of weird stuff going on, a lot of weird, fun stuff. Um, if you want to read along with us, you'll find the comics we're covering today in Judge Dread: The Complete Case Files 9, The Complete Nemesis, The Warlock, Volume 2, Robo Hunter, The Droid, Volu- Files, Volume 2, The Mean Team Collection, and The Best of Future Shocks. Yeah, a lot of fun stuff, a lot of, uh, lot, lot of ancient history, people talking about their past and stuff. Um, a lot of, like, weird team-ups. And speaking of things being oh, awesome, man. it's Thrill One, Nemesis the Warlock. Ah, uh, it's just so perfect. I love this opening, uh, like, like yeah. art still, by the way. It's just cut into four slices of the entire city. It feels feels great. Brian Talbot's suit of God. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, scripter about Pat Mills, art about Brian Talbot, lettering about Steve Potter. Yeah, like you said, yeah, we open on this gorgeous... Uh, termite cityscape and it's cut into pieces as we sort of see nemesis like in each panel we basically see nemesis and uh and purity making their way through the city making a plan to save torquemada from his execution time loop and we also learn some of purity's backstory how her father hated the terminators and was arrested for having subversive dreams I liked him because he had like a little corn cob pipe yeah he was a i guess drilling well, no, he was in the tube navy, I guess. So he's like a merchant marine going through these t- the tunnels that that go through termite, I guess. Um, yeah. So because what, he he was arrested and taken away, and that radicalized uh, purity into having great hair and a great sense of fashion. And I just love how they keep having her have um, the black eye and stuff throughout this comic. That really gives her a lot of character and makes her look really cool. Well, she didn't get punched in the face, but yeah, also that. I mean. I- I think that she's awesome for all sorts of reasons. I think that the attention to detail is something that, like, is so just fucking nemesis the warlock. Yeah, I mean, that's what I'm trying to say. I just like the consistency of keeping her have that black eye sort of through all this stuff. It'd be real easy just to stop doing it. But I like how, you know, we see these close-up, you know, especially in these flash, in this flashback section, we get some good close-ups of her. And it really, mm. um, like, gives her character and, like, you know, that you see that she's sort of, like, you know, she's not just a damsel. She's, she's not a damsel in distress or something. She, like, takes her lumps and, like, sort of keeps fighting back and stuff. It's awesome. Yeah. Now it just explains, of course, that having the Archdeviant himself uh, save Torquemada would be humiliating. So that way they'd be able to get their plots going and hurt Torquemada as well. So it's like a two for one. <laughs> and uh, Purity's... So, hey, why not? Yeah, Purity's down with it. <laughs> I'm all about that humiliation, bro. Yeah. Meanwhile, we see uh, Candida Torquemada. Um, or, yeah, Tor- uh, Tomas de Torquemada's wife, you know. Mm. She's now a TV reporter. 
Which and, could be worse, right? Yeah, she's covering the usual mass executions, but from the frame of, there's not nearly enough people being executed here. What the heck? <laughs> <laughs> Three times as much under my husband. Which is, is, is pretty funny. Um, and this all seems to be sort of a part of a long game to get her son, Barbarossa, uh, put in power when he grows up. Very we, house of cards. Definitely. We see the time-looped Torquemada, like, see her. And try to and talk then to her. Fucking chain whip a dude in the face. Yeah, breaks his way through from the people guarding him and stuff. And she's just like, ah, oh, you're just another imposter, Torquemada. Get out of here. And he's like, remember how you called me Tom Tom? And she's like, everybody knows that now. It like came out in the humanizing uh like remembrances <laughs> of you after your death. So get out of here. <laughs> well, it's it's like, you know, okay, well then I know you have a mole on your shoulder. Like that was in a fucking magazine. Yeah. Like I did several nude spreads recently. Thank you very much. Um, Or something. Later. Yeah. Later, the grand dragon of termite comes to Candida and tells her that her children have died at the hands of nemesis. And she swears revenge, you know, as you do. Yeah. I mean, she's looking pretty awesome with her. Like, I don't know. Her hair is just so white and so poofy. It's got a very like a Tina Turner kind of look to it to me. Like, mm-hmm. like this era of Tina Turner, like in Beyond Thunderdome or something like that. Yeah. Where it's like, yeah, we're, like you said, it's like big and poofy and you got to like sort of individual, but you can see like sort of individual hair sort of forming a shag or a fringe or something. I don't, I don't know a lot about hair, so I don't, I, I don't have the words to describe <laughs> it very well, but that's what it sort of seems There's like to me. And it's cool. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so Candida hates that nemesis and we get her backstory too. And it's actually really a really good send up of like Princess yeah. Diana and stuff. Um like Candida, when she had short hair, I guess when she was like courting Torquemada, really looks like her. And so we just get a lot of like you know things that are basically like royal wedding things, but with uh, with Torquemada <laughs> instead of Prince <laughs> Charles in it, basically. Um, and a big like you know thing at the end where you know a royal wedding just uh, dis- is able to distract the normal you know uh, the the lower people from their miserable lives. <laughs> Um, Of course, things went bad when Torquemada turned into a wormy murder cloud because of Nemesis, as we'll recall. And then Nemesis is in her room. Whoa. Oh, my God. This is weird and awkward and creepy. I want to kill you. Candida and Purity have a fight. And Purity's way better at fighting. Like, you know, she's doing a lot of punches and kicks while Candida is doing a lot of like slaps and eye rakes and stuff. Man, it is the coolest fucking cat fight that ends with a kick to the goddamn stomach. It's pretty solid, yeah. So Nemesis explains this whole time loop situation and the Grand Dragon's role in her children's death. So she decides to basically team up. The next day, Candida is once again doing a news report from the execution area when the Blitz Spear attacks. Oh my god, it's the warlock. Yeah, Nemesis starts awesomely fighting his way through and starts to free Torquemada from his burning stake. They hate each other, but Torquemada is good bait as we see Thoth and Satanus looking on from above. Just a big, drooly, gross dinosaur and his gross baby friend. Well, yeah, because because I I guess Satanus has had magic done to him to make him bigger than the average dinosaur, even so he's just real big now. Um, oh, rather than burn, Torquemada agrees to team up with Nemesis and unholy alliance. They start fighting their way through to the Blitz Spear as Purity oh, and Candida. It's actually cool. Yeah, man, it's real. You know, it's one of these things where I guess, like, you know, at some point you got to have the good guy and the bad guy team up against a larger threat. Like that just sort of is a rule of this kind of storytelling, I think. Oh sure. 
Um, they can do all their cool moves, but like also not like each other. So it's like, nah, I'm going to be really murderous and vile. And he's like, I'm just going to also be murderous and vile, but for different reasons. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a key thing when you remember that like Nemesis is not actually really a good guy. You know, he's pretty yeah. like evil on his own, as well as we're about to see. Um, Candida and uh, and Purity provide covering fire with a laser gun hidden in a TV camera, and the quartet escapes as the uh, Grand Dragon sends out two police to stop them. But as they fly away, they bump into a Godzilla-sized Satanus, breathing fire, oh blocking their path. It's a super Koopa. He's just like vomiting fireballs and lasers. <laughs> um, yeah, it's awesome. The Blitzspear takes heavy damage, but the giant Satanus is easily distracted and just starts eating nearby civilians out of the oh, walls yeah, like, instead of focusing like, on the task at hand. You know, a hundred times bigger, so that just makes his hunger a hundred times huger. And, just starts, and so yeah. it's just, he just needs to eat now. Because <laughs> the tubes have are like sort of also are, are like apartments or like have you know have people living in them so he just sort of rips mm-hmm. out the wall and starts eating people from in there where they just where if we remember sometimes people just go outside and look outside and just go insane gotta <laughs> so. be careful yeah uh, nemesis flies in to confront thoth brushes off his son's attempts to shame him for not being there and then agrees to help in his plan to blow up earth whoa <laughs> wait why that seems like a, i mean that's where purity lives I mean, Nemesis doesn't really care about humans, right? Like we saw last episode when like he didn't bat an eyelash kill- at killing all those kids on the school bus. You know, he's like, what? They're just oh, humans. I like, I feel like he'd be down with destroying Earth. Like at the very least, it would mean that the other humans would probably have to give up because their home base was destroyed and stuff. Yeah. It seems possible. But generally, like I wouldn't expect a lot of human sympathy. Sympathy for humans from Nemesis. It's super true and getting super real every time yeah. humans are brought up in front of Nemesis. Definitely. Satanus is under fire and getting angry as Thoth explains his plan to basically cause the white and black holes that are on either side of Termite to, to collide, which would destroy the planet Earth, the whole solar system, and then send a shockwave that would basically destroy everything in the entire galaxy. Uh, Seems Nem- like a bad plan. Yeah, Nemesis is less down with this plan. Like he's like, wait a minute. Like, <laughs> I'm all for destroying Earth, but like there's aliens that live in those other solar systems. I can't let you destroy my buddies and me. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So you know, it's bad times. Um, he his father, but his fatherly concern angers Torquemada, which is pretty good. Torquemada's like, how dare they ape the father, the parental oh relationship in this way? Um, he's just grossed out whenever like they feel things. I yeah, guess. especially anytime aliens have any kind of emotion that's similar to human emotion, he gets really pissed off. We saw that in the Gothic Empire story too. Mm-hmm. Um, but so. The uh, Thoth basically says, like, ah, the process has already begun. You can't stop me. Thoth runs to help Satanus and the two escape into the time wastes where no one dares go. Okay. I mean, whatever that means, right? Yeah. Nemesis tries to show he cares by destroying the Terminators that are following his son and his pet. But Seth is taking heavy damage and they can't pursue him into the wastes outside there. Like, as they prepare to, as they're basically slowly getting ready, oh, Rojas yeah. mentions that the ABC Warriors are on their way, including the new one. Ooh. Torquemada removes his mask and we see his face for the first time. Whoa. <gasps> it's real weird. He's super bald, has a cool earring. He's got kind of an on like earring. A Prince fan. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 
Yeah, every, it's a happy reunion until Torquemada learns of Nemesis's role in his children's death. And uh, it seems that a fight is is about to break out. Well, I mean, Nemesis didn't just like... <clears throat> okay, so you, someone's just like, he fucking helped kill them. You know what the worst thing you could probably say is, now you know how it feels to have to lose your loved ones, right, Which <laughs> It's pretty good. I guess good. he's talking about his wife, but it's like, damn, dude. Like, <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah. <laughs> Like, you know, uh, Nemesis, cold dude, you know, definitely like, this is not like, this is not the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Like, these guys still hate each other. They just have other things they have to do as well, you know. Just, and specifically to be able to say, I don't care that I, I killed your kids. Definitely like doesn't care. Sure. Yeah, just more I humans. I do not care that your kids are dead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He just stands there with his hands on his hips. Yeah. Like. But Nemesis goes to punch him next time. Uh, the secret of the time wastes. Ooh, what do you think the secret is? Is it that there's a bunch of weird time crap in there? I mean, 100% guarantee that there's weird uh, weird time crap in there. Gotta be, always, you know? It's called the time wastes. It's like where you throw, like, like when you're having a bad time, you know, because you didn't listen to the skiing instructor... That's where most of it goes. <laughs> I mean, it definitely seems like the kind of place where you could find yourself a freaking T-Rex to be your friend, right? That's true. I mean, like, that's, uh, yeah. I mean, T-Rexes definitely feel like time garbage. I mean, or at least a place where if there was a lot of time garbage, you would also find them. That's what I'm trying to say. I mean, where? what else are they going to do? Like, where are they going to eat? I'm Probably just saying I don't there. like to call T-Rexes garbage because I'm down with a T-Rex, buddy. Anyhow. I don't know. I, I like the tinier dinosaurs, the tinosauruses. Ah, uh, see, yeah, that's the difference between you and me. That's why we're such we. That's why you know our friendship's so unlikely. And speaking of unlikely friends, it's <laughs> thrill to Robo Hunter. Man, <laughs> uh, scripture about yeah. Alan, Alan Grant and John Wagner's TV Grover. Art about Ian Gibson. Letter about Richard Starkings. What's up? Sorry. It is a weird comic, this yeah. comic. I'm starting to really like the new Robo Some weird stuff here for sure, yeah. While on the while the tra- so Sam Slade, Robo Hunter, his uh, robot his robot uh, henchmen Hoagie and Stogie, uh, a apprentice Robo Hunter bot and um, and cigar bot uh, respectively have absconded with his 27 million credits or billion credits and needs him back. The trail has gone mostly cold, but he knows they've been bitten by the gambling bug and they have all of his money. Sam's running low on cash, which takes a chance by heading to the gambling capital of the world, Sin City, a giant uh, platform in the South Pacific within a yacht's ride of Tahiti. And he knows that the bot's left with his boat, so with his yacht, so they might have yachted out there is basically why he chose that. Which I guess, all right. I'm yeah. sure. Everybody's gambling mad in Sin City. Sam even makes 5,000 credits by betting how fast he can eat his in-flight breakfast on the plane out there. He hadn't eaten for 48 hours, so he just pockets five grand. Wolfs it down. uh, Sin City is an ultra-huge Las Vegas full of uh, people in casinos and stuff. And, you know, presumably somewhere out there in similar black and white, there's a bunch of Frank Miller dudes running around doing various crimes and, uh, you know, living (laughs) and dying gloriously, etc. Beautiful. So Sam checks six different casinos trying to find uh, Hoagie and Stogie. But, man, such a big place. It's hard to trace them. Uh, oh, wait. There they are. Yeah. Then he passes them on health and on an escalator. Hi, Sam. Not now, Hoagie. Wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> 
skedaddle, man. Yeah. Sam chases the bots to a nearby casino where they lead him onto the floor and the whole place is just swarming full of hoagies and stogies losing Sam's money. Oh, God. Like, they're all they're playing... all at... Yeah. yeah. They're all playing these different casino games. They're all losing at them, which is pretty excellent. <laughs> like... It's just a real, it's a real terrifying final, final image for this, for that Prague, definitely. I just don't see why this is a thing. (laughs) It's so terrifying for me. The hoagies and stogies greet Sam happily, and he went, and when he asks why there's so many of them, the bots are confused and like, oh man, like, there, there's only one of us or whatever, and like basically just start suggesting that he's in some kind of uh, Jacob's Ladder type situation where he's oh. like been hit by a car and hallucinating all this or whatever else. Not good. Yeah. Or like maybe even a total recall sort of thing, basically. Um, Sam is momentarily paused, but then just decides to start grabbing all the cash from the robots. This leads to a shootout with casino security and Sam getting blackjacked and knocked out. He wakes, oh, he wakes up in a hospital bed where the uh, sexy Ian Gibson-style nurses confirm that it was a dream. <laughs> Space nurse babes. Yeah. But then his doctor, Dr. Goya, shows up. And, buddy, it's Hoagie using Stogie as a pen. And, of course, Goya is an anagram for Hoagie, naturally. What's yeah. going on here? The doc diagnoses Sam as, ho- as hopelessly insane. They reveal the rest of the floor of the hospital he's in, just full of hoagies injured in various ways, many of them uh, uh, hanging out with stogies. He's got robot mad! <laughs> I just didn't know what was going on here. Just some, point, yeah, just, just getting mind-bending, you know? Sam is in an insane haze in his hospital bed. His only company, this army of hoagies and stogies, and a couple sexy lady nurses, of course. Of I like how the ladies are still ladies in Sam's uh, delirium here. Eventually, Sam wakes up in the middle of the night um, and finds the place mostly deserted. At the night's at the, at the at the nurse's office, he sees that he's the only patient getting medication, and that medication is the brainwashing drug Kukazine. Oh no. Which- what the hell? I love a crazy medication that's called Kukazine. That's pretty <laughs> awesome. But he finds he realizes it's a trick, and he starts like breaking a couple robots to prove that they aren't uh, people he's imagining to be droids, but actually droids. And then Nine Princes in Amber his way out of the hospital. That's when you escape from a hospital having realized your true identity. <laughs> wow. Yeah, good book. Anyhow, um, he breaks out. The whole place is in a shipping container inside a ballroom. Um, and Sam is confronted by the real Hoagie and Stogie, who basically says that if he won't keep himself safe in a fake hospital, he can be free and dead. And an army of gun-wielding Hoagies, what smoking Stogies, arrive. Whoa. Right? Like, what? <laughs> what is going on with It's really two? just one nested layer of insanity after the next uh, Matriska doll of a... Uh, <laughs> crazy robot insanity and now comes one of the most cathartic things in the world for me (laughs) which is the death to hoagie montage yeah sam is a big shootout with all the hoagies because they're actors again it's it's hoagie from robo hunter so they're pretty like inept at at everything eventually feel kind of awesome you know yeah Uh, you know it's it's like when you turn the difficulty way down on like a shooter game and suddenly just like yeah i'm doing everything aka how conrad plays all the time um eventually you got you got important things to do i'm a busy man eventually sam gets tired of all this though and he just like says calls a ceasefire and tricks all the hoagies into shooting themselves in the face it was pretty pretty fucking brilliant (laughs) definitely um 
so Sam escapes and finds he was just in the upper floors of a Sin City casino the whole time that uh, the rich Hoagie and Stogie just sort of wrench it out. And I guess, you know, the um, casino bosses see they're doing like weird sex stuff or something up there. Like, I don't <laughs> ask, you know, like someone wants. Yeah, just let them do their thing. Has one old man, a couple ladies in nurses uniforms and a whole bunch of identical robots. I just sort of take their money and look the other way. <laughs> <laughs> That's excellent. I mean, so, yeah. That's fair. So Sam runs down to the marina just in time to see Hoagie and Stogie taken off on his yacht, the Dunhuntin. And he commandeers um, a a cigarette boat with promises of a reward to go after them. They're getting getting close. And Sam just freaking ups and shoots Hoagie in the back of the head. (laughs) I mean, that's what you're going to get when you've literally just spent all of this man's most of his money after him abandoned on an island you know 27 million credits is a motive with a universal adapter buddy anyhow <laughs> next time on robo hunter back where it all began where i mean i guess is that just the island maybe or i mean the... we'll see but i'll tell you that we're actually going to finish up robo hunter pretty quick like i think it's only in one it's only in one prog next episode so oh my god right at the this end is, of this this one. is good yeah like, i don't I hate this this it felt like really Fun and fr- I had no idea what the fuck was gonna happen. I think Zero. You, I I know like we were definitely having like familiarity breeding contempt with um with Robo Hunter towards the end of its first run, and this Ooh. is just sort of is a good like especially after how much how sad Ace Trucking was when it oh ended. Oh my god! <laughs> like this is just really being a real breath of fresh air and just being a lot of fun. I think so. Yeah, absolutely, it's definitely coming in doing what it's trying to do. You know. Mm-hmm. And doing it, I don't know, it's like, it's keeping me guessing for the right reasons instead of just, like, keeping me guessing to, like, just kind of do a bait and switch or, like, what's expected. I don't know. I just, I can't, I don't know what's going to happen. It feels really good. I guess he's going to shoot these robots. That's my best guess at this I just, Yeah, I, I, I love any time when someone gets so caught that they decide to use the uh, you're actually dreaming this ruse. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's how can it ever work, right? It's real bold, you know, and like it's one of my favorite things about Total Recall where they start like, you know, that like sort of is it or isn't it? And like how, you know, if you really listen to what like the doctor in Total Recall is saying is going to happen if um he if if schwarzenegger kills him like actually does happen you know like like messianic belief like uh like imaginations and stuff like i i love all that because it's just so like oh yeah like this is actually what he said would happen so you you know it runs through (laughs) and i just love the idea uh, and I, i just love this all the the I always love the Jacob's Ladder thing. I'm just like, oh, no, actually, all oh, this is just uh, like a mi- like the last, you know, whatever has been two minutes has been has taken a second as you in, as you're in your death throes. You know, mm-hmm. I think in one of our first episodes, Dredd was in a car accident. And I said, all right, everything after this is just a Jacob's Ladder imagining of him as he dies <laughs> on his way back from that farm where the lady was growing those like singing cabbages with the, oh, the, like, yeah, like, the heads. heads or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. That was creepy. <laughs> it's like episode two of space spinner. Good times. Jesus. And speaking of a uh, dark, terrifying truths, Fox, Ooh. it's thrill three judge dread. I love, I love how this, this portion ends. The end of this is fucking spectacular. Real rough. Uh, Scripted by John Wagner and Alan Grant as T.B. Grover. Art robot Carlos Escara, Cam Kennedy, and Ron Smith. Letting robot Tom Frame. 
So we, we pick up where we left last episode with uh, Iscara drawing this guy named Fisher Wildman, a reporter, telling his story to a newspaper editor droid, how thousands of people died from a gas leak. And so he investigated the gas. He quickly finds this chem company doesn't make fertilizer, but actually trank gas. <laughs> In these giant vats that just say trank all over it. It's got to cover the whole city, buddy. Oh, but, but, but that's a spoiler. Um, he, he, he climbs Spoilers. aboard. <laughs> yeah, five-second spoiler, buddy. He, he climbs aboard a tanker, which flies to a Mega City One weather control system, where he learns the truth that basically the judges use weather control to dose citizens with trank gas to keep them in line. Real-life chemtrails, etc. Wildman escapes as part of a tour and then runs and then ran to a news mag to break the story. But as he finishes his tale, Judge Dredd steps out. Whoa. Oh, my God. Yeah, he's been following you this whole time. That's right. And now they're lowering the boom. He admits that they use Trent gas to control the citizenry. Come on. Can you imagine? And like, yeah, sure. Every once in a while, there's a spill and it kills people. But not nearly as many of these people would be killed if they weren't keeping folks in line with the Trent gas. Is basically his... His his uh side of it, you know. It's so it's such a jackbooted fucking argument. Man. Oh yeah, listen. I mean, this is really like. I mean, we've started to see it a little bit. I think especially with that um when the judge was a muck and the sort of like talking like you know there's someone sort of shouting out about it. This is where we're really starting to see you know them really sort of talking about this darker side of the justice department and like oh, how. Yeah. You know, just sort of how, yeah, like, listen, these guys are like sort of not cool fascists, you know, it's, it's no good. <laughs> but so, you know, and, and sort of they see that, that it's their duty and a sort of interesting idea of them sort of, you know, of this, of this satire, of this situation of, you know, the comic sort of straight facedly saying, basically pre- continuing to present Dredd as a hero despite all his stuff, you know. <laughs> um, anyhow. Want and want to be. He's yeah. so great, and also just really okay with tranquilizing large portions of the population. I mean, yeah, I gotta say, we have you know, this is just the the first of several sort of stories along these lines that are kind of like whoa. Oh. Um, so it's it's coming, you know, and <laughs> and I would say is really the 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 only counter argument you need to anybody that tries to, or at least when 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 Wagner and Grant are writing to say that Dread is sort of a a. a uh, a pro-fascist comic like they're clearly doing this stuff as a satire as oh, like yeah. as a commentary on this sort of thing you know um, of course but so Wildman gets 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 two choices he can either yeah. get solitary confinement for life or have immediate remedial brain surgery the newsmeg editor has his brain wiped and Wildman's going into surgery and we just sort of end with him screaming no through the city streets <laughs> <laughs> as they burn this knowledge out of his skull i guess uh good oh show so yeah man it's heavy stuff and speaking oh of heavy god. stuff <laughs> yeah. oh, my god. oh man i love the uh oh. the mid-thrill transition buddy that's the key oh my fucking god <laughs> uh cam kennedy's taking his hand at drawing some fatties in the story magnificent obsession it's pretty great. Co-star in Two-Ton Tony Tubbs with special guest star Cousin Lance. <laughs> so, so weird. It's weird. such like a, it's such a weird sitcom thing, you know? Like if you were doing like an episode of Coronation Street or something, this feels like the uh like the opening credits for it almost. 
Mm. Um, so after four long years, Fox, the Apocalypse War food shortages have finally ended and the fatties are freed from the de- from the de- detention blocks. All right. Uh, hooray for progressive uh, ideals or at least, uh, you know. I think it's amazing how long it's taken for this them to recover. You know, the war was in 82, like right when we start, yeah. like right, right at the start of, of this year of 2018. So it's cool to see them finally get out like, you know, in time for Christmas in 2018. <laughs> I guess. Um, Or at least like, uh, what is it? Halloween, so they can eat a bunch of food. Well, I mean, yeah, although this one, although this episode's coming out like in mid December, so it's pretty close. Um, at the William Buncher block, one man is so fat he can't fit through the door. Tony Tubbs has gained a terrifying amount of weight in the detention blocks. And he's just. How did this happen? They don't, like, he's just got a slow metabolism and the grit and determination to be a big fat guy, basically. Um, He just willed himself to not lose weight. They, like, do the lie detector on him. And, yeah, he didn't, like, sneak food in or anything like that. Um, the way Kennedy draws him is just horrifying. It's like he's wearing this big dress that, like, uh, touches the ground, basically. Oh, God, but just, instead of cloth, it's just sort of lard, you know? I don't don't even know how to describe it other than he is a pillow man. Yeah. Just like a big blanket <laughs> with, like, a head coming, head and arms coming out of the top, essentially. <laughs> He's a really, he's a really gross snuggie. But he's also, you know, a good guy, which is not good because there's lots yeah. of them. <laughs> wow. Well, a lot of them to love, man. Yeah. The judges <laughs> just cut a hole in the wall and air, airlift him out or like use a crane to pull him away. I like which... his little briefcase that he has. They're scaring him. I got to say, as a large man, this is my fear, but whatever else. Um, <laughs> the... Um, everybody seems pretty cool with it actually like you know no one's like oh this guy like making this do stuff everybody's actually pretty happy and like and like, and, like, and like nice to him yeah um, no his family's like bounced on his stomach they're happy to see him they pick him up they just lower him into a flatbed truck that they brought out <laughs> just sort of lay him on there in a big heap you know yeah they, they drive off like, yeah the two judges are like nice guy yeah plenty of them uh, he can't stay in an apartment so they go to take him to Cousin Lance's auto repair <laughs> God. Where they just sort of toss him in a repair bay for a car. They weigh him, and he weighs 1,663 kilos. Holy crap. Which is 3,666 pounds or tw- or 261 stone. That's so... More than like a mid-sized sedan, basically. <laughs> and not, not only this, but then he's he reveals his plan, which is like, Hey guys, you all are going to eat less, including you, Lance, and yeah. your family. And I'm going to eat more, but it's so that we can make millions. <laughs> yeah. He decides that uh, now that it's legal to be a fatty in Mega City 1 again, they're restarting the Fatty of the Year contest. And he thinks he can get to 2,000 pounds in time for that. He's going to become Mega City Fats and then get all the prize money and endorsements that that entails. His family agrees to help. His young, his little daughter even offering to oh. be eaten herself, which I think is pretty funny. <laughs> I mean, and then it's what he says that frightens me, which is that it's very kind of her, but I hope it wouldn't come to me. I just think that's so like, you can eat me too, daddy. It's one of the, uh, like, just like the, uh, in the recent, um, I think maybe two Judge Dredd annuals ago, there was a big uh, fatty eating contest where because Mm. they didn't want to use the food, the fatties just ate, um, like, mobile homes. 
Yeah, and so there was like a uh, there was like one and and one of the mobile homes had an assassin hidden inside of it, and they were like, "Oh, that's right. If it's in the car, you gotta eat it." And, and the fatties were like, "Fine, let's eat them. I'm like whatever, I don't care." And Dred's like, "All right, hold on a minute, you guys. Like, no one's eating anybody. Like the fatties are very into it." Um, so it's a fat of the year contest, Fox. Dreads work in crowd control. Very little dread in these two Bronx. These are very just like oh, yeah. citizens of Mega City One kind of situation. All the fatties are rolling out and being weighed when finally Tony Tubbs comes out weighing in at a massive 2,049 kilos, which is 4,517 pounds or 322 stone. God. Gigantic. I, I will say I was a little bummed. That uh, elephants end up being like ten thousand pounds. They wanted to say like, "Oh, he's bigger than an elephant," but he's not. Um, he's still, still at least somewhat human sized. No, he's not because he's like you know he's like because like because like the fattest human was like five was like uh, no not it was like seven hundred pounds or something. So he's like eight. So he's like six or seven times as lar- as fat as the largest uh, human. Oh ever, you know, <laughs> like oh god, just he's for the record, feet. yeah. Well. Connected. I gotta say, we we sort of see that in action because the other fatties get 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 pissed about this because he gets named Mega City, Mega City Fats because he's so gigantic, and the fatties are like, "But he can't even like walk. I'm on my belly wheel, man. Like I could just lie around and eat and get fat all day if that's all it takes. You know, where's the athleticism in wow. being two thousand pound, two thousand kilos? And it's like, okay, buddy, like I don't know about that, but. The judges seem to agree, and so they basically say, all right, like, we're going to draw this line, like, 20 feet away, and you got to walk over this line to be counted. And Which, all with, right. With massive difficulty, Tubbs's tiny little legs underneath this giant curtain wall of, of fat <laughs> manage to shift himself forward. We see him moving, and it's like, a t- it's like, a, it's like churning butter, like his little skeleton trying to, like, oh. mass his, his, his lard around. It's crazy. Oh. Oh, oh god and then he just gets a massive lump of it over and it's it's yeah. good but he managed to shift over the line and wins the fatties are not stoked about this and a brawl breaks out like they just swarm <laughs> the winner which causes the stage to collapse under the weight of all these like thousand pound people <laughs> and then just him sitting on top of all of them leading to all yeah, well, I mean, he can't help it. You know, it's a big pile. 14 world-class fatties die, but Tubbs survives. Yes, it's a miracle. And you, it's on, the the real miracle is that after he gets pulled out, Dredd doesn't arrest him. He's free to go. Oh, man, no, it's great. <laughs> it was so awesome. He's just like, man, no way. You didn't, like, kill those people. These yeah. motherfuckers, though, they didn't build a thing standard. Yeah, neg- yeah it's uh, criminal negligence. The contest organizers got 15 years of peace and... Uh, Tubbs is free to go and then like literally it all works out he makes a a whole bunch of money on endorsements and lives a happy life though occasionally gets interviewed on a chat show and you know the floor (laughs) does break out beneath him but he's fine with that you know he's used to it like he gets to wear a cool crown it's so funny after this sad ominous like brainwashing like you know brain surgery story oh yeah we just back we just uh, follow it up with this uh, uh, really silly like um like oh it's actually not that bad like here's a mega city one success story kind of thing i love it one of the few mega city one success stories i gotta say you know 
It was cute. I yeah. like that Judge Dredd called him champ at the end. Definitely. Yeah, Dredd likes this guy. Like, they when he's moving his weight, like, Dredd's like, oh, you got to respect this guy's ability, you know? <laughs> yeah. He's, <laughs> he's going to put no, a poster what? up, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's kinda, you know, it's cute that he's a he's a fatty fan. Hey, I mean, when it's an above fatty contest, right? Well, yeah, when it's legal, you know, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> but speaking of illegal activities, Ron Smith takes over on art, and we ask the eternal question of, is it a bird? Hey, what's a bird? Is it a bat glider? No, it's Mega Man! No, nah, man, it's a clown in a fucking cape. Yeah, a superhero with a cape and a shield. He's flying through the city, taking down bank robbers with a moderate amount of violence and murder. Um, and people seem to like him. People Mega except man. for Mega the judges. Man. Yeah, does whatever lemons out of his can. I was I was gonna say does whatever Mega Man can. That's a lot, you know. I mean, this I'm just saying that you know Mega Man, Mega Man's a real thing, not 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 one of these things. Not 1985, he wasn't. Oh wait, really? No, Mega. I looked it up. Mega Man's the Mega Man games like in '88. Oh my god! So Mega Man was. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) That's right. Where's his shield? That's what I want to know. It's not one well, made out of I mean, leaves. Like that's different. One of the power ups that you that you mm. probably acquire, right? Yeah. Like he he got an exoskeleton. He got a whatever. Oh yeah. <laughs> All I'm saying is that at this point, Mega. Like I looked that up too. But yeah, Mega Man the video game did not exist at this point. That's um, crazy. Yeah, the Justice Department decides he's some guy with an exoskeleton, probably using a jetpack to do his daring deeds. And Weird as always, they are. yeah, and as always, it's time to crack down on vigilantes before too much, too many copycats uh, spring up. You know, it's the last thing they need mm. to like both be dealing with crime and then also have to deal with people that are trying to deal with crime on their own. Um, so later that day, when Mega Man returns home from a hard day of uh, fighting the bad guys, he finds Dread waiting for him. When the hero won't come quietly, a fight breaks out, and Dread quickly takes out the vigilante, mostly by triggering his jetpack indoors and then some decent gunplay. Mega Man turns, Mega Man dies, and turns out to be just a skinny jerk. He's headed for Recyc, and we'll see, and you know, we'll publicize this to uh, quell all the copycats. That's how we deal with the superheroes in Mega City Jesus. One. Just like, well, he's dead now. Perfect. You know, these guys, they're pretty good at beating up superheroes. I mean, you know, we're only a couple of years away from Batman showing to make a city one and just getting his ass kicked by a swarm of judges. It's going to be pretty oh, solid. fuck. That's great. <laughs> uh, but, but next time on Judge Dredd, death of a politician. Ooh, <gasps> Ooh disturbing. <laughs> I mean... There's so many politicians. So. There's only one I care about and that I'm worried about. And speaking of worrying oh, futures, fair, actually. it's non-thrills, covers, and nerve center. Uh, Proc 439, Sam's arrived in Sim City in Sin City in a double-sized Ian Gibson cover. And I love how um, Hoagie and Stogie are sort of in the back, like just sort of away from Sam's. So they look really far apart if you're just looking at the usual cover, like the front yeah. cover and the back cover. But if you fold it back out, they're like right next to each other. So it's like, you know, just hiding in plain sight, basically. Hmm. In uh, in the nerve center, Thoth, the Beetle Goldig, a Tharg-Thoth Goldig mashup, teases the Tharg story next episode with art droid Robin Smith's retirement. There's a picture of Strontium Warlock by Graham Chapman, but probably not the one from Monty Python. Letters ask about Mega City 1 graffiti, other characters answering the mailbox, Grandma's reading 2000 AD, and a Judge Dread poem. 
Yeah, fun. yeah, like a 62-year-old 2000 AD reader. Whoa, that's old. I don't know. Oh. Yeah, it is, it's, pretty, it's pretty good for that yeah. time. Yeah, hey, enjoy your comics. That's what I say. Prog 440, two-ton Tony wants to go out, but it can't be done because he's too fat. Ugh. Uh, crazy stuff in this Camp Kennedy cover. In the nerve center, Thargaratu, write his name in blood, um, has good news. Including the return of Rogue Trooper, Strontium Dog, Slain, and Halo Jones in the coming months. There's a picture of Judge Stogie and letters about missing sci-fi specials, storing progs and binders, poems about um, or poems about mystery about missing progs, and news about a comic book shop in Belfast. Mid prog, there's another one of these history of justice um, pinups. This, mm-hmm. Yeah, this time for the Luna War from Prague 51. Oh, my God, so Which long ago. So awesome. <laughs> really awesome is with, with Dread facing down a soft-sit judge. I've, I've definitely seen this as a cover of 2080 Monthly before, so that's definitely where they're coming from. Uh, Mid-Prague, we're starting to see um, more... We're starting to get the ads for this year's annuals from Fleetway. I'd say the ones I'm most interested in are Battle Action Force, which has G.I. Joe in it, or at least Cobra Commander, and Angler's Mail, because I just like the idea of, here's this magazine, here's this comic about fishing. (laughs) So weird, man. That's weird. Yeah. 441. Praise the Lord! Camp Kennedy draws two-ton Tony at 2040 kilos. In wow. the nerve center, Tharg Sternhammer, alongside Strontium Feek, announces more History of Justice pinups and a new contest. Letters include a 2080 fan from Temple City, California, not too far from where I'll be living when this episode comes out. Uh, rhymes for the word Tharg, complex questions about winning prize money, and info about how the art is done for a prog, mostly how artists work from half up again size. So they're so what, the original art's bigger than it actually is in the comic. Um, then, uh, oh, sorry, and information about how like a thrill can be can be can go from being finished to published in as little as six months or as much as two years. Huh. Oh. Holy shit. Yeah. Really? Usually six six months on average. Mid-prog, there's a contest for robotics toys, which are Milton Bradley's attempt to cash in on Transformers me- uh, mania. <laughs> Though these ones are actually a little more like connects or sort of like a Legos yeah. where they sort of have customizability. There's a word search, whatever. Uh, the prog ends with another history of justice, this time with an awesome Judge Death rising from the haunted eye sockets of Judge Anderson. Oh, Super creeps. Real good. And finally, prog 442, Sam Slade, robo-hunted. Mm. As an army of, of uh, hoagies strike back at Sam. Yup, yup, yup. Blah, blah, blah. In the nerve center, Tharg the Rugged Handsome Superhero, which is a reference to a future shock from like a couple months ago, or maybe even oh, a year yeah. ago, where this guy Jesus. punched punched a guy with a superhero punched a guy into next week, and he showed up in next week and like robbed a lady because it was next week punching. <laughs> it was a funny one. I don't know. Um, anyhow, yeah, I, don't, I think I remember it. Yeah, you know, it was a future shock, so they're sort of not super memorable. Um, th- also, this is the, the November 2nd prog, so Tharg warns about uh, the dangers of fireworks for Guy Fawkes Day. Oh, yeah. There's a picture of Sam C. Slane and uh, facts and fiction about Beetlejuice, a reader in the Royal Navy, and a bribe to bring back Ace Garp. Apparently, it's successful because he'll be back soon. <laughs> Mid prog rogue trooper has no less than nine biochips, giving a list <laughs> of fireworks safety tips. <laughs> Fox, I've decided oh to call these fireworks safety tips the highly controversial burning cross code. Whoa. Oh, I mean, you know. 
Oh, it's funny to me. The prog ends yeah. with a pinup of Dread and Anderson by Robin Smith. A thrill of a view, which is, of course, a takeoff of the classic poster for A View to a Kill. Oh, it's fun stuff. You know. Um, speaking of not being mean, it's Thrill for Mean Team. Oh, my God. I don't know if that you were. That Panther Man. I don't know if you were speaking of, talking about not being mean, but still, here we are. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this this cat has fangs. Whoa. <laughs> uh, script robot Alan Grant and John Wagner as the Beast. Art robot Massimo Bellardinelli, letting robot Tony Jacob. So I'm still not hating this yet. No, it's fine. Yeah. Uh, So psychic member of Mean Team, Henry Moon, has had his brain transplanted into the body of a panther. He's not stoked about it. Dude, he (laughs) is having a bad time. (laughs) Top player Bad Jack comes down to get him to cut it out. And there's some pretty sweet panther versus brass knuckles fighting. Yeah, what the fuck, dude? (laughs) Just beats him up, man. Because he usually a panther would probably be a tough opponent, but... Because his brain's still kind of loose in his skull there. He's having trouble really getting his balance down and stuff. So, so it's basically like punching a tranquilized cat. Which, yeah. All right, man. So Badger can just sort of slap him around a little bit until he agrees to help things out. Um, in the end, though, Moon agrees to accept his fate and the mean team prepares for the Death Bowl final. Uh, the whole thing is really fucked up, by the way. There's like this element of, man, I really want to die because not in my body but dying just means that i'm not alive anymore so maybe it's better to be a fucking panther yeah i mean moon definitely does do the class moon does do the classic uh just let me die kind of thing in here which is always rough um but so they practice and build a good working relationship beating up on the alternates for mean team and bad (laughs) and bad jack announces that uh in the final against the Black Swamp Dragons, it's just going to be him and Moon alone on offense with everybody else on defense. Damn. Yeah, on ga- it's game time and we meet this Black Swamp Dragons led by Cray Krebs. And they all wear cool dragon helmets. It's pretty awesome. And they're doing real good this season, but not as good as Mean Team. Oh, uh, hell yeah. They're just not quite as mean. mean. They're about like 70%. They're vicious and they're cool, but yeah. they traded that coolness in for yeah. main points. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they aren't quite min-maxing their meanness the way the mean team is. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you gotta have to win in a game about killing. Yeah, absolutely. So Bad Jack is stoked for the game um, because it has a meaning that no one else is aware of. As the game begins, Bad Jack, has their, again, like he said, as the rest of the team go on defense, while he and Henry Moon go in as a duo, luckily... Bad Jack is as good as they come at this, and he quickly kills a ton of dudes. Yeah, just like pretty much all except three of them. Yeah, he even pulls uh, Moon off one of these guys so he can get the key, so that his kill doesn't get stolen. He's at <laughs> forty nine hundred and ninety kill points, and then calls out Krebs for a one on one fight for the game. Krebs agrees. Yeah, what the hell is going on with? I mean, I guess because he offers to spare the other two guys in his team, isn't like Krebs is kind of a, a team player, I suppose. See, not mean enough. Exactly. So they have a massive fight, just excellent fighting stuff from Bellardinelli here. Really good. Yeah, I like Jack- the different planets you go to where people are cheering him on. Totally. Yeah, we see this a huge mass of people cheering on this fight. We see Bad Jack doing a lot of a ball and ball and chain type fighting. He destroys, he like knocks the helmet off of Krebs head and smashes his ha- axe and his shield and stuff. Eventually taking him down with ball and chain moves. Oh God, the the way that they off camera do it, where it's just his 
eye. Yeah, it's like watching it in his eye. Chain. Yeah, he smash me in the face. Uh, the the crowd cheers his name, and the other dragons surrender. But Bad Jack ignores them. He's just walking off the field. But why? What the f? They're giving us the flag, man. That would have yeah. that has to be a winner. Bad Jack has stopped fighting as Richmond Vaughn runs to the Death Bowl field, and Henry Moon goes for the win, Panther style, like carrying the flag back in his teeth, basically. <laughs> Uh, Super great. Yeah, Mean Team is one as Jack and Vaughn confront each other on live TV. Bad Jack is done killing for Vaughn. Oh, shit. But why? <laughs> well, we flash back to a young Bad Jack getting taken by slavers as a kid and trained in the ways of Death Bowl. As a kid, it seems he asked Vaughn if he would ever win, how he could win his freedom. And Vaughn clearly as a joke said that if Jack could get 5,000 kill points, he'd get his freedom because that's an impossible amount of kill points. That's like that Angels in the Outfield moment where the dad was like, I'll come back when the Angels went in because, like, obviously they couldn't, but then the Angels came and helped. Exactly, yeah. But Blackjack's fine, but Bad Jack's finally done it. So, will well, Vaughn guess, finally yeah, follow through not. on his promise? I like how he just sort of, Bad Jack did, does know enough to uh, have never, like, talked to Vaughn about this promise after that time, you know? Like there was, yeah. he didn't like like check in when he had like a thousand kill points if he'd be free to five thousand. He he just sort of kept going. Um, anyhow, will Vaughn free him? Well, like here's a hint. Next time on Mean Team, murder. <laughs> <laughs> Gee, I wonder what's gonna happen. Yeah, I like this. I agree. I think this this start is pretty fun. I like Henry Moon and the Panther and stuff like that. Um, you know, let's see how I it like goes. Vaughn. Ape guys, you know? Like. Yeah, I mean, I definitely love, um, I mean, anytime Bellardinelli draws, like, aliens and robots and stuff, it's always a good time, for sure. Mm-hmm. It's pretty, pretty good. Yeah. And hey, speaking of uh, slaves sent to fight in gladiatorial combat, Fox. God, this this whole thing is, like, all that. Yeah, it's Thrill 5 Future Shocks. You were just talking about Total Recall, which is basic. Kinda, yeah. It's got that same sort of, uh, like selling memories kind of feel to it um yeah and it seems like we're just we're just uh burning off a bunch more peter milligan future shocks here our first story is eric the wild script about peter milligan art about anthony jo- uh Joswiak, letting robot gordon robson um this one's a fun i like this one i think it's about an old like at, at an old age home this one old guy introduces himself to a new guy at the, at the home and explains how he got rich from selling his memories and now tons of people think they're him. Who was he? Eric the Wild, the greatest space gladiator of all time. He fought a carrot once. Yeah. Some girls asked if they could touch him mm. after he fought an alligator. Yeah. We got uh, some neat <clears throat> gladiator montage stuff as Eric rises to prominence, killing aliens with like nunchucks and blasters and stuff. Eventually, though, he got old and lost to Shinko the Sadistic, who left the mark of Shinko on his face. Oh, man. That mark of Shinko. Yeah, he then quit gladiating, got the mark removed, and sold his memories for just general sales so other people could use his memories for a tidy profit. Good times. Nice. Um, The guy he's telling this to is quiet and thinks that a true gladiator would never part with a battle scar. And he's got a giant S on his face because he's the real Eric the Red. And this guy was just was had bought his memories and was like doing what he said other people was doing. (laughs) (laughs) Or you're 
Oh no, your your um uh sales of your personality slash life are going to come back to haunt you when you're old. <laughs> oh, just like don't don't do anything for money. The memories <laughs> no. you like are coming back into style. <laughs> oh, <laughs> rip, no. rip, rip. That's backwards. It's like Twin Peaks. Anyhow, um, <gasps> I like the deeper version of it, though, where this guy bought Eric the Wild's memories, too, but went further and like into the memory and just got a fake <laughs> scar put on his face. Well, I mean, like, like how, what can we really believe about that? And probably that he wasn't real at all. Yeah. Brains in a jar, buddy. You and me. Um, (laughs) Oh, thank God. That makes things so much easier. Speaking of brains in a jar is not perceiving what's real and what isn't. uh, Second story, Prisoner of Conscience. Conscience. Oh, God. by Peter Milligan. Our... Art about Barry Kitson, letter about Gordon Robson. Did you know what this was before it ended? Because I did. Oh, yeah. I mean, honestly, anytime there's a future... Sh- I mean, in my notes, I say this is your standard uh, space criminal escapes from jail, but it's actually <laughs> a VR parole, parole hearing story. Like, I, I don't think this is a... T- maybe not a top five future shocks uh, story. <laughs> but it's in the top ten. Definitely top ten. I mean, it's definitely up there with like, oh, the invading aliens are actually really tiny kind of thing you know? yeah oh i'm so glad they don't do that anymore i mean you know i i, I want to say never say never because you know because <laughs> i mean what, we, if we can find a way to march that joke back out i mean there's easily two thousand more progs for us to cover that could have this story again you know oh my god but um yeah, so this guy, he escapes from prison. There's a moral quandary. He takes the jerk answer, and thus he's failed his parole hearing because actually it's artificial reality. You know what I'm talking about. Um, yeah, yeah, man. Get out of here. An, a planet with people in loincloths. They get sick from his future germs, <sighs> and he doesn't, like, he, he could give, turn himself in, and the Space Force would probably give them antidotes to the viruses, but he doesn't, and so he's going back to jail. Um, and whoa he's already in jail whoa well i mean that's why he's going back to jail because they're sort of going to unhook him from the machine and put him back in gen pop basically uh mm. next up doing time peter milligan our robot robin smith is p smith letting you about tom frame para crooks does a bunch of future crimes because apparently oh, the God. penalties for future crimes are really light but instead they just sort of toss you down the time hole and the time hole goes to <laughs> 1985 hey that's right now whoa this is definitely the worst one um, I'd say the only good thing about this story is that there's one kind of big, um, bad, one kind of big criminal and one kind of thin criminal means that this could be a real, a good, uh, super obscure Conrad and Fox Halloween costume one year. Oh my God. Or maybe that's just us. Oh, like through time. using our knowledge of the future for bad stuff. Oh, but we've been sent back in time to when we ourselves are kids. It's real crazy. Um, anyhow. Oh, we should have paid more attention in the future to things that haven't been passed. So monopolized on not, it, man. Not paying attention to shit. Final, <laughs> final story. It's the thought that counts. Scripted by Peter Milligan. Art wrote Steve Dillon. Letting her oh, about Tony Jacob. I like Steve Dillon showing up. So that sort of redeems this one. Eight. This was cute. Yeah, just this a couple okay. uh, space agents have found a cache of ancient ultra-powerful space weapons to help them win the space war. Uh, but one of them's actually a traitor. Oh, no. <laughs> they open up this sort of Quonset hut full of guns, basically, and just start playing around with them, shooting things, seeing what the Which guns do. really not a good idea. I think it seems like it'd be pretty fun. Um, the traitors... Oh, sure. Like, one of, the, one of the guns shoots electrified barbed wire. That's excellent. <laughs> 
<laughs> One of them makes a like oh, an entire mountain. Yeah, it makes an entire mountain disappear because you got it, but only if you say it. And oh, that's, and that's because he's like, oh, because it doesn't do anything, and he says, oh, I'm trying to get rid of that mountain, and the, ma- the mountain disappears. Um, Great. And they and he thinks that's the ultimate weapon, but it turns out the actual one is this helmet that the other agents put on because he just found out that because the helmet lets him read people's thoughts, and he found out that this guy was the traitor. Whoa. Oh I can read you. I can read your mind. Mind reading hats. Top five hats. All right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> sorting hat is like bottom hundred for me. Man, I don't care about that sorting hat. Like I go where I want, you know. That's Whatever. What I'm saying, dude. Although I don't. Password to get into your stupid locker room. Yeah, I guess maybe if I went to a school that had like spirit. I guess we wanted to like be part of different groups. <laughs> But we didn't really have that, so I can't really empathize that much. Oh, it's it's like it's like a, when you go to high school, they put a hat on your head, and someone throws some glitter at your face. And they're like, "You're a nerd, go!" To-. And then Every- they throw like some balls at you, and it's like, "And this one's the jock." You go into the jock group. I feel like people could tell that could tell that because, like, you know, like, oh, like, uh, he's he's wearing the uh, the black heavy metal band T-shirt of Slytherin or something. Like, you didn't need oh a hat God. for it. Everybody self-identified. <laughs> you know, there weren't a lot of people being like, oh man, am I a jock? Well, I do want to beat those nerds up, but I also like whatever. Anyhow, <laughs> that's it's so great. Everything with a hat. Uh, is better, I guess, is what we're saying. We endorse hats here on Space Winner 2000. You wear a hat, great work. No, no, no. In this case, the views of Fox do not represent the views of Space Winner 2000. <laughs> Very anti-hat. Get out of here with your hats. I mean, don't you want to wear a sweet fedora and tip it to people and say, Absolutely Lady. not, dude. <laughs> my dad wears fedoras. Who wants to dress like my dad? That guy's lame. Anyhow. Wow. <laughs> no offense, Dad. If you're listening to this, I know you do sometimes. Um, but, Fox, with that story done and our various inflammatory hat opinions said, there's only one more opinion that I want to hear from you. And it's about what your top and bottom thrills are for this episode. Oh, dude. Tippity Top is so easy. That shit's going straight to Nemi. Nemi mm-hmm. says, the warlock, you're great. Keep being beautiful. Fuck. Remember that part where he was going to agree with the sun to blow up the planet Earth, even though... <laughs> He's got friends there, and he's on it. But then they were going to blow up the entire solar system instead. So he was like, "No, I'm good." Yeah, that was too much. <laughs> like I like part. I like I, I like step A. I don't like the rest of those steps. <laughs> also, I really, really love Candida. She's like the the hottest of the of the crazy people, I guess. No, I don't and the know. Fact that, no, I mean, I just, I just like fucking metal ass hair. But I really love uh, that we get to see Torquemada. And instead of it just being ridiculous, he's just kind of an average looking dude. <laughs> just sort of buff. He's got like an earring. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Like they didn't overplay it as just like he's got a crazy scar and he's like a scream man. I don't know. <laughs> just a regular dude. Anybody yeah. could be uh, a torturous, evil murderer of uh, and genocidal maniacs. I guess yeah. is what they're really trying to say. <laughs> Yeah, he's a regular guy. He could be your landlord, as we'll see in a later Nemesis story. Anyhow, uh, can't talk about it too much. So what's your bottom for this for this episode? Um, you know, I guess just future shocks. There uh-huh. were four of them. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, I mean, because everything else was great. Like, I really loved the Dread stories. I really loved uh, Mean Team. God damn. And I uh, fucking really loved uh, Robo Hunter. So yeah. fuck it. I'm taking my quick way out and saying, fuck that. 
And fuck you, and you tell me what you're talking about. Girls are, I'll fight you. Damn, getting, fight. getting real testy at the end of these, um, of the end of this episode here. I don't know if I like it. Um, gonna have to put me back in the cave. It's tough, man. You know, we're like getting real angry, and it's that's rough because I mostly agree with you. Oh man, Nemesis oh, is real good. Let's hug it out this week. It's definitely my top. Although Dread's not far behind, just because I love uh, fatty stories. So this was real right up my alley. Oh, it's so good. Um, and then, you know, like the, uh, and then the conspiracy story was kind of fun. If just because for modern chemtrail purposes, then I kind of like superheroes getting beaten <laughs> up in Mega City 1 also. Like, that's pretty neat. Um, for chemtrail purposes. Yeah. And then I also really like the, the, the weird, like, like Hoagie decides, like, I got to stall Sam or something. So I'm just going to really mess with his brain by making him question if reality yeah. is real. Like, it seemed very odd. Like, who's the mastermind in this? Cause they are yeah. not smart. Nah, but it's, it's such a, uh, like, well, we got to do something. Okay. Let's just like blow up his brain forever by doing this. Like, it seems very Hoagie oh. and Stogie to me almost. Um, oh my God. just in one of those horseshoe things where it's so dumb that it comes back around to yeah. genius kind of. <laughs> and then, yeah. And like, this mean team stuff is like ridiculous. And I, I enjoy that ridiculousness, yes. you know? I feel like I, I sometimes I wonder if like, you know, we're like mean team isn't going to be around that much longer, actually. So oh. it's I, I wonder at its bad reputation. I think maybe people just really tired of sports comics in 85 or something because this maybe. thing because this thing seems real silly. And I'm in favor of that, you know. And yeah, so, man, it fucking rocks. There's yeah. a man with a, a psychic man's brain inside of a fucking panther. Yeah. Like, how that's, can you not like that? I got to agree. You know, maybe people maybe get soured in later versions of it. Like, it's not going to it's not going to end end, but it is sort of going to go on high a little bit here. I mean, I'm um, going to give it its time. Yeah. And if absolutely. it's doing really well by the end of our next uh, conversation, I'm giving that shit a top top spot because i'm really starting to dig it and it definitely gives Be- bella Dinelli more chances to just be real ridiculous with the crazy Boom. costumes and, like it, it makes a real reminiscent of those early Har- harlem heroes days sort of combined with crazy race trucking stuff you know so yes yeah, so well I'll, I'll join you with future shocks being my bottom um you know <laughs> it's not my first choice to make future shocks the bottom but everything here was pretty decent and you know if there's if they're gonna put one a week in here then i can you know if it's if it's gonna step up like a real thrill then i'm gonna treat it like a real thrill and Boom. like man that's what i'm talking about baby you know the burning the doing time one was real formulaic or the uh, sorry the the prisoner of conscious one was real formulaic the doing yeah. time one was real like so just a time hole then i guess okay whatever um <laughs> you know it's just like how do we get out of writing this yeah Gosh. like there were two that i liked and two that i didn't and that's enough to get it on the bottom and so there we are <laughs> oh my god what a fucking glorious show of yeah course. fun little month man i hope everybody enjoyed the show as always you can find space spinner 2000 on itunes stitcher the google play Store, store the google play store spotify or our podcast site space spinner 2000.com feel free to contact us at space spinner 2000 at gmail.com on the 2080 forums or our facebook instagram or twitter pages on twitter at space spinner 2k everything else look up space spinner 2000 you'll find us there and then i'll see you this thursday as Space Spinner reaction rolls on and we see several of our launch stories end including a temporary hiatus for Hookjaw as well as these these it'll be back like the episode after this one I promise Um, or maybe the one after that one but soon Um, and 
we'll see the start of Bellardinelli drawn World War II frem- frenemy romance Green's Grudge War, which is pretty great. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it's about two guys trying to show each other, or one guy who's jealous of another dude for being real good at being a World War II commando. And it's like, you guys just recognize that you're in love and move on from this. Um <laughs> And yeah, then come back next Monday as we as we finish off the current Nemesis story. Robo Hunter heads off into the sunset, and we welcome back old buddies Rogue Trooper and Strontium Dog. Oh fuck yeah, Johnny Alpha! Yeah, buddy. Also, I've got some bad news for Mayor Dave, but we'll get to it. What? Watch out, buddy. Until then, I'm Conrad. He's Fox, and we are Space Spinner Two Thousand. What a big birthday!